Hello friends, my name is Sydney and welcome to the CCW Evolve podcast. Each month, we'll be breaking down a new category of prayer and speaking with young adults about their personal relationship with prayer. This month, we'll be hearing from Reverend Haley Eccles about lament, and this message was originally recorded on March 27th at our third Evolve of the semester. So without further ado, here is Reverend Haley Eccles. All right, I am going to ask you, as we begin this journey of lament together, to picture a shared human event that I'm sure all of us have been in this situation at one time or another. You're standing around, maybe you're on campus, you're talking with some of your friends, and all of a sudden you start to feel it. There's this little like tickle at the end of your nose. Your eyes are watering just a little bit. You put up your hand, you stop what you're doing, stop talking to your friend, you put up your hand, excuse me for just a minute, I need a human moment, I'm about to sneeze. You look up at the sky, I'm about to sneeze. You look around, I need to sneeze, and it just never comes. You know that feeling? It like it dissipates into nowhere. And if you ask me, it is one of the most unsatisfying feelings that we feel as human beings. That need of just just how great is it when that explosion happens and it's like so satisfying. And your friends may appreciate that you did not sneeze, but for you, it is like you are stuck. Something has happened, and it takes a little while to get over it. Am I wrong? For those listening on the podcast, I am not wrong. (laughs) And I use this lighthearted example as a reason why I think lament is important to us. So... Let me take you on a journey from sneezing to like actual lament, okay? Because it is that feeling of being stuck, of like waiting for something to happen. And I think without the spiritual practice of lament, we too often find ourselves stuck in emotions that we just aren't willing to wrestle with. We just haven't gone there. And we think, maybe we think we can trick ourselves into thinking we don't need to go through that emotion, but we'll just find over and over again something is not satisfying in our worship, in our praise, in our spiritual life. We just feel stuck. There was a book that came out a couple years ago on burnout, on the um, phenomenon of burnout, And um, it was written by Emily and Amelia Nagalski. And there are a lot of things that contribute to burnout. One of them is emotional exhaustion. And ironically, their research told them that a lot of the reasons why people feel emotionally exhausted is because they have not gone through the full cycle of their emotions. The moment they start to feel that discomfort around stress or around 
anger or around grief or frustration. They cut off the emotion and it builds up within us as human beings in a place where we just end up getting exhausted because we haven't allowed ourselves to take emotions through their full cycle. That our emotions actually have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And if we cut them off at the beginning, then we miss the fullness that awaits for us, allowing us to have felt the whole disorienting and unpleasant emotion. And there's a few reasons why we might cut ourselves off. This is not... um, peer-reviewed, evidence-based reasons. These are reasons that I have come up with from my own experience. Um, But I do think that they might be helpful and they might be things that we relate to. The first one is, I think we cut off some of our unpleasant emotions because we feel like they aren't bad enough to be unpleasant for us. Somehow we've put ourselves in this kind of... uh, world where there's some sort of tragedy Olympics, and if we haven't experienced unpleasantness to a certain degree, we don't deserve to feel unpleasant about it. Maybe we've gone through some sort of difficulty in a transition in our lives. I know I experienced a lot of difficulty when I transitioned to um, studying at Divinity School and what it was like to study at a master's level. But, like, people are going through war zones, right? People are getting diagnosed with terminal illnesses or chronic illnesses where there's no cure. People are losing loved ones that are close to them. The discomfort I feel about feeling like I don't fit in or that I'm not smart enough or that my theology is getting turned upside down and I don't have a foundation to stand on, like, that's not bad enough. I should, be, I should be okay. I shouldn't really feel bad. Or maybe we delegitimize our emotions for other reasons with like phrases that you might have heard before, like feelings aren't facts. And so because we know that feelings and facts can be different, We don't want to learn from the feeling. We want to just tell the feeling, no, that's not the fact, and not allow ourselves to feel the feeling. Do you all know what I'm talking about? We might also find ourselves stuck in emotions and not actually feeling the weight of the emotion because we feel like we deserve the unpleasantness. And if you're in a place where you feel like you deserve what's happening to you, where something is because of your lack or it's all your fault or this is just what it's like to be miserable you or you're like the psalmist who like, I am just a worm, then you might allow yourself to stay in the middle of an unpleasant emotion and roll it over in your mind and your heart and your soul over and over and over, never allowing yourself to get to the other side of that emotion because that's part of what you deserve as a human. But feeling our whole emotions, this practice of lament, 
is really important because it helps take us into our humanness before God and come out the other side with our humanness intact but with more resources on the other side because God is there in the midst of it. I, I don't know how best to explain it, but the practice of lament is like the practice of being in a pit and shouting at the top of the pit, where are you? And the longer you shout and the more honest you are about those feelings, the more you'll realize that God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I'm right here. I'm not outside of the pit. I'm in the pit with you. And so that's why we go through, and, and that's why we're going to talk a little bit more about what lament actually is and how we actually practice it and how it is a form of worship. There's lots of emotions that could cause us to lament. It can be anger. It can be those questions of like, why God is this happening? It can be grief, which also could be a why God is this happening, but also can be more focused on why me. It can be um, any sort of disorientation. What is next? Why don't I understand what's going on in my life? Whatever it is, it's some feeling of disorientation. And lament is, is a way of naming it, and hoping to find some reorientation before God. The scripture that we uh, read tonight, at least part of it, thank you, Amelia, for reading for us, um, from Psalm 22, may have sounded familiar. Um, this, you may have heard it in a different version, but you may remember that during Holy Week, when we celebrate Good Friday, when we go through the Stations of the Cross, we do remember that from the cross, Jesus quotes this psalm, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This psalm of disorientation, this psalm of trying to figure out where God is in the midst of suffering, isn't just, you know, one of the psalms that we can look to that shows the depth of human emotions, but it's one that Jesus even plucked out from the 50 available to us in psalm as well, psalms, as well as other laments that are available in Jeremiah, Lamentations, Exodus, um, Second, First Kings, First Kings, all sorts of laments all throughout the Bible. Um, but this is one that Jesus plucked out of our Bibles. One that Jesus actually prays and embodies in a moment where he is suffering the most. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In a moment of deep disorientation deep suffering, and deep need. And having these psalms available to us do a few things for us, at least in my experience. So um, when I was starting seminary, as I said, uh, it was very disorienting to go from 
working a full-time job, well, at, which was admittedly a quite difficult um, job that I was working, to being in an academic setting and wondering all the time, how did I end up here? I was like sitting at orientation and the person next to me is like, oh, how did you decide to come here? And I was like, I applied and they let me in. And she said, oh, well, I applied to Yale and Princeton and I got into all of those places and here and then I weighed the options, blah, 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 blah. This girl was overqualified and I was like, how did I get in? I would be sitting in like these, um, they called them uh, preceptorial classes in which all you do is come in and you talk about what you've read, which for some people became the let's come in and talk about how much smarter we are than everyone else. And I would just be sitting there grasping at straws and looking at my preceptor and saying, is that right? Is that what this means? I don't even know. This person wrote this in the third century. And some kid would go, well, when I did my thesis in undergrad, I actually learned about this other figure from the third century. And what he said informs what this person said. And I just was like, why am I here? What am I supposed to do here? And then, even more disorienting, I came to seminary not to become the stunning preacher before you today, but to become a social worker. I was going to help kids get adopted, which ironically was what I was doing before I left for seminary, but I felt like God wanted me to have a seminary education to do that. And then I got to seminary and God was like, yeah, no, you're going to do something else. And I was like, but, but that's not what I signed up for. That's not why I got here. And it was little things, but they were things that were in like the core of my soul of like disorientation of why am I here, of what am I doing, of what am I called to do. And one of my first classes I took in my first year of seminary was a history of spirituality, and we had to do a group project, and our group chose lament, and it was the best thing that I could have had with me on that first semester journey. Because we got to sit down once a week together in this group project and complain complain about Mr. Einstein, who was in precept, who knew everything. We get to complain about how we got assigned so much reading and we couldn't possibly read it all and we've only gotten a few hours of sleep every night that week. And complain about how papers are due and you don't know how to write at a master's level and nothing makes sense and just complain about how disorienting it is and, and how you don't know what the purpose of all of it is and complain and complain and in the midst of it find that while other people weren't quite as forthcoming with how difficult the transition to this new life, this new world were, in this group I knew I wasn't alone because my complaints were met with other people's complaints 
And somehow in the midst of that, we formed this community and we got to meet God in the midst of it. And the most important thing I learned about lament and about the laments that we read throughout the Bible, and this is the nerdy part, y'all, but it's just like, I love it so much, is that in almost all, there is one exception, but in almost all of the laments in our Bible, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, there is what we call a vav adversative. And the vav adversative, which is just this one Hebrew letter, means either but or still or yet. It is the hinge of the lament that is being shared in scripture. It is the moment where the psalmist has poured out every unpleasantness in them until there's nothing left but a reminder that God is still with them. And so it goes something like this. I'm hopeless. I'm drowning in my tears. All I eat every day are tears and I can't even sleep and I don't know what's happening. But, Vav Adversative, you are still God. You are with me. You are faithful. You continue. You're just. And even though over here I've been complaining about all my enemies, I know that you are going to be more just against them than I know how to be. This turning that can only happen when we're actually honest with that first part when we actually give God all of the complaints and the frustrations and the disorientations and know that those are part of our worship. The complaining to God is a part of the relationship that we share with God. And that unlike uh, friends or partners or other people in our lives that are complaining only causes God to draw closer and to remind us that God is with us. And that is because we serve the kind of God who would himself cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who would take the journey of suffering to find a turn that there is still life, but the tomb is empty, but our hope is an empty cross and an empty grave, that God is with us, and that no matter what you are feeling now, whether you are feeling like you are in the pit, that there is nowhere you can go that God cannot get to you, and that God isn't already. So let's pray together. God, not all of us are in this difficult, struggling, suffering place. Some of us feel like we're in the light and we are sensing you there. In those moments, I pray that our relationship will continue to grow, continue uh, to for us to be able to get closer to you so that we can sense you 
in the disorienting places of the journey. And for those of us who are in the pit, in the difficult place, in the hard, the hardness of it all, I pray that you would remind us that there is nowhere we can go that you aren't already there. That you are with us. That you journey so closely with us on this life, this human, imperfect, suffering life, that you would embrace the suffering yourself. That you would have your own laments and that you would remind us that you can carry us through to the other side where there is hope and light and peace. Amen. Welcome to the interview segment of the Evolve podcast. My name is Sydney, and I'm joined with two good friends today, Haley and Brooke. I'd love for my friends to introduce themselves. Haley, why don't you start for us? Y'all aren't even going to believe this. I just put up my finger like to wait a minute because I felt like I had to sneeze and I did not. <laughs> <laughs> If you listen the last time that happened to me. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast before this, you'll get it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you'll get it. <laughs> like the first two minutes. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, um, my name is Haley Eccles, and it's just it's just amazing that I get to serve and work with Campus to City Wesley Foundation as someone who was formed by Wesley Foundations myself. And um, I currently serve as the campus pastor and associate director. So, and I'm glad to be a part of this with you, Sydney. And Brooke, why don't you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, I don't feel like, I don't do this every week, every month. So I, I'm not as smooth as Haley, but I, uh, my name is Brooke. I, um, I guess I've been with CCW for six years now, which is kind of a long time. Um, <laughs> and I'm an assistant director and, um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a person. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I don't think any of us are experts at this whole podcast thing, but it's definitely fun. <laughs> Um, so a little bit more about me. I'm a ministry assistant with CCW and I help plan our Evolve gatherings. So, Yay. so today we're going to be talking about Evolve and prayer with Brooke. So the first question that I have for you today, Brooke, is what does Evolve mean to you? And if there was a specific part of our past evolve gathering in the message that yeah Haley's Haley's been podcast with me before and I think she knows like I don't have like a short form so we'll see I <laughs> here's a lot I could say um when I first heard evolve when I was first coming into CCW I was like I was really confused 
because I was still trying to figure out like what CCW was and I was like well they have to be kind of cool if they're like using the word evolve right <laughs> like kind of like coded language like if they yeah I was like <laughs> has to say something um the evolves were really important for me when I started CCW like they were um, I can just remember specific moments where I felt very called to things um, and whether or not I actually like lived into those calls, calls to things, it was so beautiful to me. Um, and just the experience it, um, I think it truly did for me what it was meant to do. Um, it was beautiful and I so deeply appreciated it. Um, and that just continues, especially now in our, um, in the, into the 2020s, um, I think evolves are special um, because the community gets to get together and um, I really hope and believe that we try and that sometimes we do meet students where they are um, and offer them something to help them in their spiritual journey. And I think it's really been um, so neat. I lo I've loved your past two evolves. I just think <laughs> you've gone really well and beautifully. And I love what Haley has brought to the evolves with so much intentionality um, and talking about the spiritual practice. And um, I don't know, it's just beautiful. I told you this Haley on Sunday, but I just feel like um, we're so blessed, so very blessed to have you as our pastor. Like we just, we really need you and I'm so grateful for you. Um, my favorite part of this Evolve, I, um, I texted Haley and Derek after the Evolve and I said, yes, finally one that I'm decent at. Cause I, I, I always struggle with the spiritual practices, but I, I love lament. Like lament is something that's like deeply a part of me. Um, I've been on a journey of like learning how to feel my feelings. Um, I know people, I, I do think of myself as a positive person. Um, I love the world and life and I have so much hope and all of that. Um, feeling your feelings, feeling my feelings is really important to me. And I just, um, I strongly believe in the importance of saying like, this sucks, like this really sucks. Um, and accepting when things are hard rather than like pretending that things are better than they are. Um, and I really appreciated that about the limit gathering. I talked with Haley about how I'm working to validate my personal struggles. Like I'm working to validate um, when things are hard or when things are anxious, or even if there's like a small change, I really struggle with change, I guess, because I'm a human. Um, but when there is a small change and I have difficulty because of that, to just have like compassion for myself in that rather than like saying like, oh, you know, like there's other people who are going through huge changes and I'm not going through a huge change right now, but just acknowledging that life is difficult and it's okay to have compassion for ourselves in that difficulty. Um, I said that and then afterwards, I happened to have some things that night that caused me limit. Um, and it wasn't easy. Like it wasn't easy. Like, I definitely don't have like an A in this class yet, but, um, um, but 
I'm sorry, I got distracted because Haley just murdered something on camera. Um, but I, <laughs> it was a bug. It was a bug. I just listened, speaking of Lament, I just heard in this podcast, they were talking about the future and how like in 12 years, bugs might be extinct. So I'm not saying you're contributing to the problem, Haley, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that. Um, it's probably going to die soon anyway. Um, but, I, but as I was dealing with those difficulties, I appreciated that voice in my head that was like, this is difficult. And this is okay. And the encouragement to turn to God. One thing that really stood out to me was Haley said, Derek posted it somewhere. So it is quoted somewhere. But Haley said that like God, like other people turn away from it. Like it can be overwhelming when you complain to other people. Uh, like even the people who love you the most can kind of like turn away from you after a point. Um, but God doesn't do that. Like God turns towards you when you complain. And I really appreciate that because I, um, I guess I'll talk about this when we talk about prayer, but there have been seasons in my life where like the thing I say most to God is just like all of my problems. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Well, I know we, we normally kind of go from evolve into, you know, getting more specific about your prayer your, your prayer practices, your experiences. Um, but I, I have a little bit of a follow-up question, um, slash a, a teaser for a project that Brooke and I are doing together because Brooke and I have been reading, um, this book, which I like probably won't be able to stop talking about for a very long time. It's called the five wounds. It's a fiction book, like a, uh, it's, you know, maybe overly simplistic to say it, but it's like a dysfunctional family drama book um, with so much of their faith kind of grounding how they understand the suffering that they're going through. And the family in the, in the book is Catholic. Um, and I've also seen this in um, like Kate Bowler's book on um, no cure for being human or everything happens for a reason where she's processing her suffering. Um, it just seems like there's a theme that people who have been formed within the Catholic tradition seem to be a little bit more comfortable with suffering than maybe people who've been in, uh, formed in a more evangelical tradition. And so I'm kind of curious if, yeah. um, if you feel like how that might have impacted your your journey or your yeah so much and if I it's one of those things like when I talk about it with Catholics or like people who grew up Catholic like they totally get what I'm saying but it's like I don't know if it's something that people outside of Catholicism necessarily notice but um I've been telling people <laughs> I do want to get my PhD in suffering and that's like that's like funny I don't know I like to say it but but when I told my dad, he was like, of course, he was like, <laughs> he was like, you're Catholic. <laughs> um, so it's just funny that like, um, that difference. I, um, I was thinking about it today, actually, I was thinking about my journey um, with fasting, because uh, we were talking about fasting on Tuesday at our meeting. And I've been thinking about fasting. And I think 
One thing that Haley read from Kate Bowler's Good Enough book is that fasting is this, um, this choice to feel discomfort and to turn to God in that discomfort or something like that. Um, but one thing that I've been resisting in my personal journey is um, like I've often, because of my Catholicism, I think like associated suffering with holiness um, and not like I would want to inflict suffering on other people, but it's like this idea. And I don't, I don't believe this, but that like the more you suffer, the more God loves you. The more you suffer, like the better you are. Um, and I do believe, I do believe in liberation theology. I do believe that God is with people who suffer. I do believe that God is against oppression and very much interested in overturning systems. And I believe that God sees our pain. God is with us when we are having a hard time all the time. Um, and I guess like we're always having a hard time. So, um, <laughs> God's always with us. But, um, but I've really been trying to resist the ways that I um, I like aspire to suffer. Like I aspire to feel pain for like the sake of feeling pain for God, which like sounds like self-harm. Um, I don't think I necessarily um, relate to it in that like clinical mental health way, but there is something about Catholic theology that is, that would orient me that way. And <laughs> something that I kind of see in Catholic culture too. Um, but there's also another side of that where with Catholicism comes this, um, like one of my favorite days of the year and a really big day in the Catholic church is Good Friday, which is like the celebration of Jesus, um, not celebration, <laughs> the, me the memory, the me maybe a celebration, <laughs> the, um, the remembering of Jesus's death, um, and crucifixion and passion and suffering. Um, it's like a big thing, it's like a really big thing. Um, one thing, I, one time I remember I, um, I went to Catholic Ospreys and I watched The Passion of Christ for the first time. And one thing I always remember is this young woman, she was talking about how her parents really are good Catholics. They are, but they just can't watch this movie. And just it's like how, how connected this movie was to like the definition of being a good Catholic. Um, but I also think that like Catholics have this affinity for suffering, this ability to be in the hard places, to be like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> this is not good. And we can say that this is not good. Um, and that's something that I really cherish about Catholicism that I think it's almost a culture of lament, um, of practicing lament, um, and really living into that. And um, I'm really grateful for that. And sometimes I can get homesick for that in Methodism, but I think people like Kaylee are making <laughs> making some space in Methodism for. Um, for honest conversations about hard things and how it's okay to notice and recognize those things. Yeah. I, I would love for us to do like the spinoff podcast on like our larger family and like the backgrounds we come 
from and how they impact us. I think it's, uh, it's neat when I've talked to like United Methodists who do, who have been able to find a home in Methodism, who've been raised in other places. And I think that's because of some of the larger umbrella that we have together. Um, and to focus us back on prayer, would love to just get a sense of like what, how you would describe your relationship with prayer. And that might bring in some of that, you know, history of how you've understood prayer, or it might be, you know, where you're at now, um, or, you know, largely formed out of where you're at now. I, um, I remember I was on a study abroad to Cambodia and Vietnam, and there are like three, um, three, there are like these two other Christian girls in the group. And one night they like invited me to go pray with them. And I said a prayer and they were like, wow, like, <laughs> like you just like talk to God. Like, <laughs> um, and I think it's kind of funny that I have that approach because I grew up Catholic. And I guess like people often like um, associate Catholicism with like more formal prayers and um, I do want to say, like, <laughs> Catholicism is so big and wide and broad, and there are as many Catholic experiences out there as there are people who've ever been inside the Catholic Church. So this is definitely not the case for everyone, but I was really influenced by my Sunday school teachers and my confirmation teachers, and I remember one of them, I came and see which one, said that, like, God just wants to hear us like God just wants um God just wants us to pray like God just wants to connect with us and that really meant so much to me um I remember um I was thinking about this just the other day because the song came on um what just the way you are that song um that was big when I was 14 in 2011 and um, and that was the song that they used for confirmation pictures. And she has talked about, um, our big confirmation leader, she has talked about how like God loves us just the way we are. And that like we can pray through like listening to a song and thinking about love and like how God loves everyone and all the people that we love. Um, I think that looseness with prayer really um, was very helpful and meaningful for me. Um, I'm really on a journey with prayer. I'm on a journey with everything. Maybe I should put seeker as a guide. But I'm always on a journey, but I'm on a journey with prayer and trying to deepen my prayer practice. So I'm really grateful to Haley for, um, we're doing like our beads, our prayer beads, and it's, it's helping me. <laughs> it's helping me, I think, intentionally about prayer. Um, but I just, I, I still have an idea of just like connecting with God, <laughs> like connecting with God, um, whether that's just like saying things, um, or not saying things or feeling things. Um, and it's weird. Cause like the more I do that, the better I feel, which just sounds kind of cheesy, but like, it really does make me feel better. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. I, and I do think my prayer practice has gotten better over throughout my 2020s because um, there were like in 2020, um, I like tweeted this because, you know, all sorts of questions they ask on Twitter, but um, 
they said they were like what was your most common prayer and I was just like please help like sometimes I just be like I don't know what to do <laughs> like just help <laughs> in all the ways um so sometimes I have just said like that like quiet like desperate prayer um and I'm trying to get into a more comfortable rhythm with God and I also I, I mentioned this yesterday at the prayer beads that to me prayer is also like love. I believe that God is love God is love <laughs> um so whenever I feel moments of love like where I can recognize I'm feeling loving or compassionate um to me that's prayer and to me that's a really high form of prayer to just like be present with gentleness and love and kindness um but it's also prayer to like be more intentional and to um to really think about god and there's just so many ways to pray and i guess i could say more but that's that's about the summary <laughs> it's, it's a good summary there are so many ways to pray and that is a great segue <laughs> to my next question i'm wondering um you kind of answered this a little bit but just to dive deeper um, I'm wondering when you sit down and you say, I'm going to pray now, like, what does that usually look like? What is your go-to method of prayer usually? Okay. Well, I am currently on a journey with habit formation. And one of the habits I'm trying to form is praying regularly. So I can't say... <laughs> I can't say I often have moments of sitting down to pray. Um, I At the start, it's, we're deep into Lent. At the start of Lent, I wanted to pray three times a day, specifically in specific ways. And some days I get there, and some days, most days, I don't. Um, but most of the time, like I woke up this morning, and I prayed, kind of inspired by our conversation last night. I woke up and I prayed and I said, hi, God. <laughs> hi, God. Um, good morning. How are you? Um, I just like kind of had a conversation about the day and how the day might go. And um, please be with me and help me. And I know I'm not doing things well, <laughs> you know all the repentance and the hoping and the requests and all of that. Um, so yeah, I guess it's mostly like a conversation for me. One of the problems I have is that my mind just can wander sometimes. So often I'll start praying and then, yeah, I, I don't even know if I get through a complete sentence, you know? But I, I, like, God knows, God knows, God knows what I meant to say. And I just have to hope that God recognizes the, the thought that was meant to be. I really appreciate just the specificity of even some words you can use, because I think it can be, when we talk about prayer, sometimes it feels so like ethereal that you know, I'll hear other people talking about what they've heard from God or their practice, but without having the specificity, sometimes I just wonder like, 
are they saying something special or different or how do I also kind of connect? Um, And so I I really love kind of getting that window into that the conversations starting with God. And I, I also will just say, I, I am also one of those people whose mind wanders, um, who's thoughts sometimes seem really disjointed when I journal my prayers, because you can tell I checked an email in between writing a line or something else happened, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's, um, that's also really relatable. I also, um, maybe I'm working on, I don't know. Um, I like, I like to joke around. I like, I like to be sarcastic and I'm often like sarcastic with God, um, which I think is fun because when I read the gospels, like, I think Jesus can take it. Like, I, I think, I think, I think that's kind of on Jesus's level. Um, but that's like, it's important to me to not try to talk to God as like, and there's a balance, right? Like, I do believe that like God is great and God is big and God is more than we can imagine and that there is something like righteous and good and other about God but when I pray I try to bring God close (laughs) and I try to um I've really been thinking about like relating to Jesus as a friend so I don't know I'm pretty silly with my friends so I try to be silly with Jesus like often I'll say like I don't know if you know this. And I say like the exact same complaint that I've been saying, um, you know, like, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm here for like inside jokes with God and just been spicing it up a little. Are there any like specific um, prayer practices or like means that have helped you feel more connected with prayer or with God as a whole? Yeah. Gosh, um, well, the prayer beans have helped. Maybe not with the prayer beans, but Haley and I were in a gathering. We were <laughs> we were in a in a gathering today, and I just pulled out my prayer beans, and it helped me feel more centered, but also like more like God was present with us. Um, so prayer beans really helped me. One thing that I haven't done in a really long time, but way back in two thousand nineteen. I made this prayer binder and I really loved it. It was very nice. And you go through the sections and you like pray through the sections and you have different options for each section. And that was really great. And I really enjoyed that. And sometimes I still do that and it helps me. That kind of feels like a whole thing. Um, but that, that was really useful for me and helped me to pray. Um, I also, I make prayer shawls sometimes. Sometimes it takes a while to make them. But when I make prayer shawls, um, no matter what I'm doing, I like to knit and Netflix. That's like one of my top hobbies in the world. Um, I like to knit and Netflix. But one thing about knitting prayer shawls is that it feels like it becomes a prayer while I'm knitting or watching Netflix, like whatever it is, like <laughs> bringing God into it. Um, I also like just praying, um, just talking to God. And I mentioned um, to Haley yesterday, like I like um, at our Evolve, I think 
Derek opened by talking about like just imagining Jesus next to you. And that's one of my favorite things to do with prayer or in life is to just like imagine Jesus next to me um, and talking to Jesus and imagining Jesus's compassion or thoughts or presence. Um, and that's something I really like to do. Like I was kind of praying on the way to the meeting today and my backpack was in the seat next to me. And I couldn't imagine Jesus sitting on my backpack. So I moved my backpack to the floor and it kind of helped me pray to Jesus for like the minute that I remembered to pray. Um, so just things like that. Um, I also like praying with people. Like I think being in moments and praying with people is nice. Um, but I'm trying to get better about like creating more intentional times to pray. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's this other thing I'm supposed to be doing three times a day, and I don't really enjoy doing it. And it's not like a fun thing to do three times a day. Um, it's like a health thing. Um, but when, but to like get myself to do it, I'm supposed to like do something fun afterwards. And I'm trying to like pair that with my praying. So like I'll do the thing and then I'll pray and then I'll like feel good. Um, I can't say it's working exactly, but it is doing something. It might, it might be in the process of working. Um, I'm so excited about this podcast because I, I really like the fact that we can highlight how everyone is on their own journey with prayer and with God. Um, so I'm wondering if you have any sort of advice for people who are struggling with um, their connection with God and with their relationship with prayer? What would you, yeah. what advice would you give? <laughs> so I, I've gone through different seasons of connection with God. Um, and I've had seasons of feeling really, really far from God, like I was not present. Um, and then seasons of God feeling really close. And, um, my first thing is, for me personally, whenever God feels far from me, it's usually because my mental health is really bad. Like there's, <laughs> like there's other stuff going on that makes it hard for me to connect with God um, or feel God uh, or listen to God. Um, so first, not saying that like everyone in those situations has a diagnosable mental illness, but I do recommend looking to your mental health, doing self-care, doing the little things you can do to make help yourself feel better. Um, I really recommend therapy. I know it can cost a lot. I know that it's hard, but I do think um, those mental health things have been huge for me and deepening my connection with God. Um, and if you aren't like in a mental health crisis, um, you can start by expressing gratitude to God for that. Um, and just, I really believe in connecting with God in all the ways that you can. Um, just a pray Methodist thing. Like 
I always say, what I love, one thing I love about Methodists is they're just like, how can you connect with God? Like, just connect with God. And I love the idea of just like tearing down the barriers um, and just like letting people connect with God. But I mean, if you connect with God through nature, go to nature. Um, if you connect to God through singing, then sing. Um, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm a, um, I'm a French Christian. I, I've said, <laughs> I'm a French Christian. So I also like, if there's something that fills your heart with love or kindness or compassion or light or joy, like personally, I feel like for me, that's connecting with God because I believe that God is compassion and light and joy and goodness. Um, so if there's any practice that makes you feel that, I think it'll help with your mental health. Um, and I think that's a way of God being close to you. Um, and if you need something more than that, I, um, I've been working on bringing the means of grace into my life, which is like, I don't know, you can look up Methodism, means of grace. They've given me the best list and idea of those practices, but um, I think finding ways to connect with other Christians and to connect individually with yourself um, and your relationship with God. Um, I think all of that is holy. And I also, I do have <laughs> this strange and deepening belief in the Holy Spirit. So I also believe that if you pray, <laughs> if you seek the Holy Spirit, um, it might be harder if your mental health is hard. And I, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help you with that. but. I do believe that God can and will guide you to the practices, um, to the practices that will deepen your relationship with God, if that's something that you're really interested in seeking. All right. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your lovely wisdom and advice. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening. Yeah, I didn't think y'all would not talk so much. <laughs> which is fine but I, I enjoyed sitting in a zoom room with y'all so thank you Brooke, it's so nice to just listen to you talk thank you it always just makes me so happy thank you. <laughs> i love listening to y'all talk thanks for joining us today friends don't miss our next episode where we talk a little bit about easter